This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 143 for Monday, the 10th of February, 2014. And because it's the 10th of February, that means yesterday was the 9th. Correct. And the 9th of February is the day that The Walking Dead returned for the second half of Season 2. And in four. case you were wondering... You said Season 2. Se- it's not Season 2. Season 4. Season 4. <laughs> the second half of Season 4. Yeah. And uh, that is, of course, why we were here. We are here. Boy, I'm not off to a good start. No, horrible start. It's season two, and that's why we were here. <laughs> that's why we were here. <laughs> we were here back in season two. Yes, we were. <laughs> we have been here for, what is it, five and a half years or something now? It's a long time. It, it feels like forever. It sometimes does. But um, what's going to keep us going, really, is is a lot of things. And a lot of those things are happening right here on this very show. Uh, first of all, Jason, i got to wish you a happy Umbrella Day. Oh, happy Umbrella Day. Yeah, today is Umbrella Day. The uh, basic umbrella, here's some facts for you, okay? The basic umbrella was invented over 4,000 years ago. Wow. We have seen evidence of umbrellas in the ancient art and artifacts of Egypt, Assyria, Greece, and China. These ancient umbrellas and parasols were first designed to provide shade from the sun. The Chinese were the first to waterproof their umbrellas for use as a rain protection. Nice. So it's Umbrella Day. Now... It's the you know middle of a deep freeze winter we're having here in Toronto. Yeah. So we haven't been using a lot of umbrellas lately, unless you take an umbrella out for the snow. But I, uh, I don't know where my umbrella is right now. I have an umbrella that I, that I like, that I've had for uh, a couple of years now, uh, but uh, I am not quite aware of its current location. Well, you better find it. Break it out, open it up, shake it off, dust it out, and uh, celebrate it because it's Umbrella Day. And for those people who live in the south or anywhere where it's rainy season, not snowing season and ice storm season like it is here, yeah. then uh, go use your umbrella. Give it a give it a twirl for us. I've seen people use umbrellas in the winter. Um, you don't see that here very much. No, I've seen it here. Okay. It's it's not often, I'll grant you that, but sometimes I do see people with umbrellas. I think they're idiots, but I do see it. <laughs> yeah, once in a while, I guess. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. Happy Umbrella Day, everybody. A little bit more housekeeping, housekeeping, man, oh man, to take care of today. It's your beard. It's The, the beard is the problem. <laughs> it's weighing down your chin and making it hard for you to talk. It, it must be, because <laughs> this beard is really the only variable. Did um, you have soup for uh, for dinner? No, I did not. Oh, okay. Because maybe some soup got caught in it and it screwed you right up. I've had a lot of soup lately, though, so there could be some in there somewhere. It's hard to tell. <laughs> Probably a couple days old. There's a lot a of beard. A, a pea or a carrot or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's weighing down my face. I'm just going to start slowly sinking into the desk here. Yeah. Uh, I promised, though, I'd keep my beard for Walker Stalker Con in Chicago in March. So I have about a month. At, uh, oh, well, more than a month. A little over a month to go before I'm allowed to shave the beard off. Good. And uh, I'm, I can't say I'm looking forward to doing that, but uh, <clears throat> I will probably um, celebrate the day when it comes as beard shaving day. Yeah, you'll celebrate by, what, having soup strained, strained free? Right. That's what I'll do. Shave off and have a little party. Yeah. So, yeah, speaking of Walker Soccer Con, that's coming up in March. 
I'm going to be there. I'm not sure if you're going to be there, but we're working things out. Well, yeah, we're working on it. But, uh, I'm not sure yet. All right. Th- life is getting in the way a little bit, but hopefully, oh, yeah. you can, hopefully you can just push life out of the way and make it down there or over there with me because it's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. Lots of great guests, and uh, we are looking forward to seeing everybody who's listening there too. So hopefully we'll do mm-hmm. another listener meetup. There will be a podcaster panel, and uh, it's going to be really great, really great time. All right. Speaking of that housekeeping, I wanted to let everyone know that there is now a new way to send us voice messages on our website. Oh, I'm excited about this. Or at least there will be by the time everyone hears this. I'm a little less excited. What you want to do is go to our website and use the send voicemail button. Now, what's going to happen when you do that is a little window is going to pop up with some instructions for speaking right into your computer, recording yourself, and it gets sent through the internet to us. Now, obviously, you need a microphone of some kind built into your computer. So I'm pretty sure... Manufactured in the last 10 years, it should be fine. Yeah, I'm pretty sure most computers and laptops and so on these days have mics, so that's not really a problem. If you do any sort of Skype communication, you have a microphone, so um, you should be good. And uh, it's as easy as that. The the main reason we're doing this, I got the idea from our friends over at the Walking Deadcast. They're using this sort of service, and uh, the quality is better. It's easier. You can do it from you know just about anywhere when you're in front of a computer so it's it's gonna slowly replace the toll-free zombie line i think now the zombie line isn't going anywhere right away that thing's paid up for a little while but uh, once it comes up for renewal i'm gonna have to think long and hard about wanting to spend the money to keep that toll-free line it was convenient i understand um but you know it's one of those things that i'm not sure it's worth having when there are services online such as uh this one that that we can use so we'll let the people decide how best they uh, they communicate with us how they want to and if uh, if it makes sense that the zomp line goes away then well it just goes away yeah exactly in the meantime though if you want to give it a try go over to our website there will be a send voicemail button there near the top somewhere click that and hopefully it works for everyone if you have any trouble let me know and uh we'll see how things go for a little while now, speaking of sending voicemails, Jason, yes, we are going to announce a fun new contest this week on the program. Yes, exciting. It's an idea I came up with a while back, and I've been rolling it around in my head a little bit, and I'm not sure still if it's a good idea, but we're going to try it anyways. Did you think of it while you were hanging a clock in the bathroom and you slipped and hit your head on the toilet? No, it's not nearly as good as a flux capacitor. That's a good idea. Right. It's, uh, it's not that good. Um, But what we're going to do is run a contest that involves some audio recording. So last year we did a writing contest, short story contest. Mm -hmm. This year, for the second half of season four, we are going to do a record your favorite Walking Dead scene contest. Audio. Audio, yes. Not video, audio only. Uh, You can record video if you want, but really just send us the audio. Now... The idea is you can do this by yourself or with your friends. You can you can make it serious. You can do sort of a funny take. You can do whatever you want. Um, but the point is to record a short scene from any episode of The Walking Dead TV show and uh, and send it in. Now, what we're going to do is listen to them all, probably have a good laugh, likely play some on the show. And uh, then at the end of it all, we'll just choose our favorite and you will be the winner. So... 
recording quality is not really going to be a factor unless, I have one caveat, unless it's so bad that we can't really recognize the scene in question. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, we have to be able to understand what you're saying and so on. Um, <clears throat> but otherwise, you know, not everyone's recording quality is quite the same, so not going to be a factor. Um, in terms of how to record, here are a few tips. You can use the aforementioned uh, send voicemail button on our, our uh, website. That would be good, if, especially if you're doing it by yourself or just with a couple of people in front of your computer. You can still use the Zombline. Call in, do it on the phone. You can use your phone. Most phones have a voice memo app, app at this point, right? So just record it on your phone and email it straight to us, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Any way you want to do it, we're good. We're good to receive the audio. So um, I'm thinking about 60 seconds max. Now, I know that doesn't sound like very long, but we don't want to get full, drawn-out, you know, 10-minute scenes here. We want it or to be a sort whole of, episode. Yeah, we don't want a whole episode. We just want your favorite scene, a quick conversation between people or, you know, multiple people. And, uh, you know, but I'm not going to be hard and fast to that rule. If you go a minute and a half, that's cool. If you go right. 20 seconds, that's also cool, you know. Just try to be reasonable. No, Don't go crazy. Yeah, so don't record your favorite season and send it in. <laughs> Again, feel free to do that, but we don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> we may not listen to the whole thing. Yeah, maybe not. Um, we are, uh, what else? So we're going to run this for the second half of season four. The deadline for entry will be March 31st, 2014 at 11.59 p.m. That's the day after the season four finale. So just in case you decide you want to record something from that episode, you've got about 24 hours to do so and get it into us. Right, right, right. Um, it can be from not just season four. It can be from any episode of The Walking Dead, season one through four. And uh, we will announce the winner on our feedback show just a couple days later on April the 2nd. Right. Wednesday, is there, April 2nd. Uh, I have a question for you. Sure. Is, is there any way we can provide some kind of example? Well, you know, Jason, funny you ask. <laughs> because I've got a scene queued up right here, the script for a scene, that right. I think you and I could probably probably read and just just see how it goes that'd be awesome let's do that and that and that would be an example of an entry in this contest okay so should we tell people what the scene is or should we just do it uh, I think we should tell them all right so this is from the opening scene almost the opening scene of the pilot episode of The Walking Dead way back in season one it's uh, Rick and Shane sitting in the police car having a little chat and uh, the part of Rick will be portrayed by Jason. By the me. The part of Shane will be portrayed by me. That's true. And you have the first line, so I'm going to give you the action. All right. All right? <laughs> I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. This, is, this, this should be hilarious, everyone. Or, or a dismal well, don't, failure. Don't, don't, don't play sure. it up, man. This should be hilarious. What's the matter with you? I also it, said it, it could it'll be. It'll be what it'll be. All right. Fine. It is what it is. Listen to him. This is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, uh, I need a drink of water, I think. All right. Okay. Jason, are you ready? I am ready. And action. What's the difference between men and women? This is this a joke? No, serious. In my experience, never met a woman who knew how to turn off a light. It's genetic. They're born thinking the switch only goes one way. On. 
It's like they're struck blind when they leave a room. Every woman I ever let have a key, swear to God, I come home and my house is lit up like a mall at Christmas. So then my job, apparently, because my chromosomes are different, is to go through the house and turn off every light the chick left on. Then, this in the core is the core basis of my male-female dynamic, the yin and the yang. Is that right? Yeah, baby. Reverend Shane is a preaching to you now. And, and scene. <laughs> good fun. I didn't have a lot of lines. That was good. <laughs> no, uh, you know, I didn't want to go too deep with that. That scene goes on more than that, right? But Shane just keeps talking and talking and talking and, you know, digging himself a bigger hole. So uh, yes. there you go. That was our sample. If I hadn't flubbed that one line, it would have been perfect. I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's going to be our Record Your Favorite Scene contest. You guys send your entries. You can call them in. You can use the voicemail button on the website. You can email them to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com if you've recorded an MP3 file or something like that. And uh, expect to hear yourself played on the podcast. That's all I'm saying. I hope it's going to be fun. I hope this works out. Uh, you well, know, it's been fun so far. Yeah, it has. And if if it, if no one wants to send in scenes, maybe you and I should just do one every week. Yeah, we'll do one every couple every. Well, we'll do one, uh, <laughs> maybe one or two at the end. If no one sends any in, we'll do uh, we'll do our own. All right, perfect. <clears throat> I I just don't know if anyone's going to want to to do this, but I think it's you know a good opportunity to have some fun, and so let's we'll we'll hope. We can do uh, we can do the cold open from this week's episode. Uh, that wouldn't be a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of this week's episode, Jason, the real reason we're here is that The Walking Dead is back. Episode 9 has aired. And right now, we are going to recap this episode, which was titled After. After. All right. Let's pick it up in the cold open. This episode begins basically right where the last one ended, right after the assault on the prison, where the prison fell and everyone's scattered into the woods. Now, Michonne is still hanging around the prison. She's in the yard. We see the governor's body with a hole in his head, so now we know that Lily shot that gun right through his forehead, and he is definitively dead. He's dead, dead. I think we can say that once and for all now. Um, but Michonne's hanging around, and she kind of seems unconcerned with all the zombies that are around. She's a little bit traumatized, I think, just been through a massive war. And uh, she's sort of wondering what to do. She kills a bunch of zombies with the sword, then lures a couple of them onto the spikes outside the prison gate, and she makes new pets for herself. Yeah, that was nice. It was, and it makes a lot of sense. She's going to need to escape, you know, travel safely, and this is her thing. She cuts off arms and jaws and creates pet protection. Yeah. Grab a, grab a rope, grab a couple of zombies, and off you go. Yeah, that's right. But before she leaves, she's walking out through the field. She comes across poor old Herschel's zombified head, yeah. who's lying on the ground, chomping his mouth, moving his eyes, you know, can't do anything. So she takes out her sword, stabs it through, stabs Herschel's head, and uh, puts him out of his misery, I guess. Yep. Emotional scene right there. It was, it was pretty sad to see uh, Herschel like that. It was, and it didn't really... You know, I didn't really think we were going to see his zombie head. You know, I didn't think we, we weren't necessarily. I just didn't think about it. I was like, we saw him get his head chopped off. We kind of saw it, you know, in the background in the last episode. And that's probably it. We we don't need the emotional 
gut punch of seeing his actual zombie head, you know, flapping around on the ground there. Right. But we did, and uh, we Michonne, sure did. Michonne took care of it, so <clears throat> good for her. We go to the opening credits, and when we come back, we have Carl and Rick walking down a road. Rick is lagging behind. He's obviously injured pretty badly. Rick uh, puts on his Batman voice and tells Carl to slow down, and uh, they talk, and he says, we need to find a place. And slow by, down. That's right. <laughs> slow down. He put on the Batman. That's right. Um, he did a better job than I did. That was a pretty good, actually. Oh, thanks. I was quite. I'm, I'm quite impressed with that. Well, when uh, when they make a new Batman movie and they call me to star as Batman, I will say yes. That'd be fine. Yeah, I've always wanted to be Batman. You just uh, need to go to the gym to look like uh, what's his name. <laughs> yeah, for with his shirt off. About 25 years ago <laughs> is when I need to start doing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Rick says they need to find a place, and he starts. Rick starts to tell Carl that, you know, we're going to be okay, but Carl really gives him a not now look. I don't yeah. feel like talking to you right now. They keep going. They come to Jim and Jim Jr.'s Barbecue Shack. <laughs> I love that place. Great, great name. And uh, Rick tries to tell Carl to stay outside while he goes in to check the place, and Carl refuses. He He's basically like, look, you can barely stand up, and... You know, I know what I'm doing, so quit trying to tell me what to do. I think Carl was absolutely right here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I think Rick was just trying to play the father role, which he doesn't really need to do any anymore. You know? Yeah, Rick should have stayed outside. Carl had this uh, well in hand. Yeah, Rick, absolutely. Rick's a mess. He's a disaster right now. He can't, uh, he can't be relied upon to help clear a building. No, but, you know, I can, I can kind of see... Rick, he's the parent, right? And parents have trouble letting go when it comes to their children, right? Even after all of this, he still wants to be his dad. He still wants to protect him. You know, and that's kind of where he was coming from here. But, uh, you know, I still, you know, I still think he had to realize that, you know, Carl knows what he's doing. And Rick is about to collapse from his injuries. You know, he's got to let his son do some work here. So they both go in, and inside they find one walker, which is Jim Sr., and he's barricaded behind some tables and chairs and a jukebox. Well, yeah. Now, I was hoping somebody would hit the jukebox and it would turn on and start playing Johnny Be Good or something, but... They need ele- electricity for that. I know. Maybe it's a, uh, an enchanted jukebox. <laughs> like the Fonz used to have in Al's. <laughs> was it enchanted? Well, whenever he hit it, it, uh, it turned on. Yeah. But Al's had electricity. It did. And wasn't in a zombie apocalypse. It was more of a Milwaukee 50s apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, well, it's about the same. Uh, now, Rick tries to take the zombie out with an axe to the head, but it gets stuck, so Carl has to shoot it down. Really, this whole scenario, I mean, I get Rick again. He's trying to do it quietly and save bullets, but uh, he's just not in any shape to be doing these sorts of things right now. Right. Take the bullet, shoot that thing in the head. They go looking for some supplies, and when they come back, they both dump them out on a table, and Carl says, I win. <laughs> like he, He's acting like a little bit of a shit here. He is a bit of a shit. Uh, you know, I get it. He wants to prove himself, be a big man, but that's not the way to do it, you know, not to belittle other people. Well, you're also thinking in terms of, you know, a post-adolescent adult that uh, has the ability to to reason and to uh 
you know, be level-headed about things. This is a, uh, you know, somebody with a lot of hormones going through their body in a very screwed up situation. He's going to lash out. He's going to do things that are not quite that smart. Mm -hmm. And he's going to say things that are probably not the smartest thing to say or the most reasonable things to say. Yeah, and that's kind of what this episode was all about, I think. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But uh, Carl makes... I don't want to say he makes a transformation. He may have completed a transformation in this episode. Um, But uh, we'll get into that. Uh, So we get a quick scene, though, now of Michonne. She comes out to the road, and she sees Rick and Carl's footprints, although she doesn't know it's their footprints. Right, she Um, crosses the road, like at 90 degrees from what Rick and Carl were walking along. They walked along the road, and she crossed the road at 90 degrees, sees the footprints, goes, "Mm, footprints, and moves on. That's right. She she made a conscious decision not to follow them, though, right? She walked out of the forest, crossed the road, and then back in the forest on the other side. Yeah. She could have easily have just taken that right turn and followed those footprints, which at this point she does not. So we go right back to Rick and Carl. They come to a house. They kick their way in. And uh, Rick is still having trouble letting Carl sort of help, letting him go and do his thing. And then Carl drops a couple of... Uh, questionable words he he says asshole and shit face in in one line <laughs> yeah <laughs> so While banging he, on a wall yeah banging on a wall he's uh he's growing up here you know with that kind of language well i don't know i was younger than him when i used words like that <laughs> not in front of my dad though yeah but maybe if the world had ended you might have made a made an exception yeah but i was yeah, i was swearing there was a guy who lived uh, next door to where my parents worked when i was a kid named Frankie, and uh, he would use, boy, the stuff that would come out of this kid's mouth, and he was, like, too young to go to school. So, uh, yeah, language is, you can use language at any age. Well, you know, it comes from upbringing. Parents were probably assholes. I don't know. They seem like nice people. (laughs) Anyways, it comes from the parents or the friends most of the time. This kid would swear up a storm. I don't know why, but he would just, just start a string of swears and keep going till. I don't know. He's probably still swearing. Yeah, probably. Well, maybe that's what Carl's doing here. But he goes upstairs and he finds a, I guess, a teenager's room, it looks like. There's posters on the wall. There's a you know, a video game system and a TV. Uh, downstairs, Rick is gathering knives in the kitchen. Very practical. Mm-hmm. And uh, Carl, Carl goes to, at first he looks kind of excited to see video games and a TV. Um But then he immediately kind of seriouses back up and he pulls the wiring out from the back of the TV and he uses it to tie the door shut downstairs. Yeah, this was kind of sad. You know, he sees a a teenager's room. Oh, isn't this great? This would be awesome. There's video games and uh, movies and stuff. And man, I can't use any of it, but I can use that cable, I suppose. Yeah, well, he just escapes reality for just a second. You know, he walks in there, and there's a smile on his face, and he's almost like, oh, man, I could I could deal with this. You know, I could live here and be happy here. Yeah. Uh, but then, of course, he slams back to reality, and that's just not the case. Um, now, Rick, after Carl ties the knot around the door, Rick continues to doubt him, and uh, he's pushing a couch over to block the door. And uh, Rick's, uh, Carl says, you know... I tied it shut. It's a strong knot. Shane taught me how to do this. You remember him, don't you? That's like a knife (laughs) through the heart, you know? It's like you weren't here, but my other dad taught me how to do this and keep me safe, even though he's long gone, and everything you've done for me, I'm just going to throw out the window. Yeah. 
you know? Like, come on, kid. But they push the couch in front of the door, and uh, Rick then, after that, wants Carl to eat, but Carl won't eat. So, you know, typical. I mean, I guess most teenagers nonstop eat, but if they want to defy their parents, this is what they're going to do. And uh, Rick goes to a bathroom and studies his wounds in the mirror. And the biggest thing I noticed about this scene is, man, he can hardly breathe. Yeah. He is just wheezing. It's His breath is so labored. You kind of hear it throughout the episode so far, but it just got really bad at this point. And I thought, man, he does not sound good. He needs to lie down. I think he, uh, I think he should lie down. <laughs> Probably. There is a commercial break. And when we come home, we have, uh, we are in a scene with Michonne and two men in a house. And they're just chatting. Flashback of yep. some kind. So she, yeah, she's dressed nice. <clears throat> yeah, there's uh, seems like a nice condo with like little candles burning, and she's chopping. Uh, what is she chopping? Strawberries? Oh, I don't know. She's cooking something, chopping something on this counter. Two guys are sitting at a table, uh, just in the other side of the room. They're chatting away, and uh, as they're talking, suddenly Michonne is now all of a sudden cutting with her katana not the knife, and she turns and she slides the entire katana into the knife block as if she's just putting a knife away. Like everything's... the most excellent knife block. <laughs> I'm going to get one of those. Hold the katana? Yeah. Man. It's a it's a knife block of holding because it was definitely bigger on the inside than the outside. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or a, it's uh, the, the TARDIS knife block. Yeah, knife block TARDIS. Um, and after she puts the knife away, a young boy runs into the kitchen and she picks him up. So here we are in a scene, and we're getting a little bit of Michonne backstory. I didn't think they'd get to this that uh, so quickly in the second half of this season. Because if you remember, we had that scene in the first half where she was really, really upset by Judith, didn't want to have anything to do with Judith, and it was obvious that Michonne had some sort of backstory involving a child. Well, here it is, or right. bits of it anyways. <clears throat> now, she picks him up and walks over to the table where the two men are, and they start talking about not staying at the camp. And they're having a t discussion as if, you know, they're not in a condo, as if they're holed up somewhere and, you know, something bad has happened. So we kind of have worlds merging here. We've got Michonne's happy pre-apocalypse world with her son and chopping strawberries. And then we've got them slowly, you know, the katana shows up and they're slowly talking about sort of apocalypse type stuff. Yeah. And the one guy, Mike, I didn't catch the other guy's name, but I... I don't think they said it. No, okay. So the one guy, Mike, he calls the boy our son. So that is revealed that that is, in fact, Michonne's son. And after that, suddenly they cut to the guys with bloody stumps for arms. So we're slowly getting back into, you know, end-of-the-world territory here. Yeah. And the boy is gone. The boy disappears. Yeah. Did we get the boy's name? I don't think so. I don't think so. All right. Uh, Michonne starts screaming because he's disappeared, and suddenly she wakes up. In a car. In a car. So not really a flashback, more of a dream sequence. Right. So we can't, uh, you know, obviously it's not literal, mm -hmm. right? Because we had uh, kind of a mixture of different things going on. Um, you know, I, I think we can take the the beginning part, like the condo and the uh, the toddler son and the uh, the boyfriend Mike, or lover, as they uh, said in the scene. <laughs> right, lover. Uh, I think we can take all that as real. I think we can take the reference to the camp is real. And I think everything mostly happened, but uh, it's, you know, the context is all mixed up. Right. It's in her mind. It's, well, in her dream, it's merging with kind of what she's experiencing right now. Right. Right. 
Um, I think it was an interesting way to do that, though, and I, I liked it a lot. It's it's not something I had really considered before. We've had a few flashbacks on this show, as you know, but they've always been literal flashbacks where we see exactly what happened at that time. Here, right. we're seeing, like you said, sort of an interpretation on it where we can get some information, but we're not really going back to that moment and seeing it actually happen. We're seeing it from the perspective of a mind that has, you know, been in the apocalypse, zombie apocalypse for some time now. Right. I liked it. I thought it was really clever and well done, and I would not be unhappy if they did more of this. What do you think? Uh, I think it was uh, it was good. Uh, I, I liked it as well. I'm uh, I'm not sure about the more of this thing. I don't. I think it could get old real fast. I think we might get maybe another one this season, but I kind of doubt it unless the internet seems to know something I don't. No, I, I have no other information about about that sort of thing. I'm just saying, like sometimes shows need. Well, okay, maybe not need, but sometimes shows have a bit of a gimmick. You know, I mean, obviously Lost had did this. It showed flashbacks of people's life before the island, right? Yeah, and that flash was kind forwards, of, flash sideways. Right, that's right. Originally, though, flashbacks, and that was kind of its thing. That was its gimmick, right? And I'm not saying The Walking Dead needs a gimmick, but to me, this wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Where it's not. I mean, I don't want it to always be someone wakes up out of a dream and, you know, that's what we were watching because <laughs> that would get old pretty fast. But I just liked the how they blended the two. You know what I mean? Yep. And no, I liked it too. I think it's great. And I, do, I, don't, I don't think that uh, the show needs a gimmick like Lost, and I, I don't think that uh, they'll do this again. All right. Well, you're right. Because we got one flashback in season two, and... Maybe two flashbacks, and maybe one in season three. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I heard once though that um, uh, Gimple, Scott Gimple, the guy running the show now, is a fan of flashbacks. So we might get more of them. Um, again, right. I I don't have really no idea what they're going to do, and you know you're right. Too much of this would be weird because it is kind of a dream sequence sort of thing, but. At least it worked this one time. So maybe they can do it once more, and by then I'll be over it. I don't know. Has anybody ever done a flash forward within a flashback? <laughs> um, isn't that sort of what happened here? Almost they flash well, back. Well, I mean, the end of a flashback is the flash forward kind of thing. But I'm just wondering if, like, they've done flash forwards and they've done flashbacks, and they've uh, you know jokingly done flashbacks within flashbacks. I'm just wondering if anybody's ever actually accomplished a flash forward within a flashback. Well, Walking Dead. Challenge proposed. <laughs> yeah. So write Scott Gimple. Yeah. Try Write this. Letter. I have an idea for the show. I have an idea. I'm sure he never gets emails like that. <laughs> you can trust me. I'm on the internet. Yeah, that's right. I know what I speak of. <laughs> All right. Anyways, after the dream sequence, we cut to Carl waking up in the house. Rick is sleeping now on the couch by the door. So Carl decides to eat. I guess his, he figures dad's asleep. I can eat now. He yeah. goes upstairs to read a book for a while. And when he comes downstairs, he can't wake his dad up. He, starts... he pours two bowls of cereal. Well, I think he's so, pouring one for his dad. Yeah, that's what I think, too. I mean, it's, it, I don't think it's just a kind of a, I'm going to, just despite you, I'm not going to eat unless you're sleeping. I think it's a matter of, I'm awake now, I'm a little calmer, uh, I need to eat, and probably dad does too. But uh, he's sleeping, so I'll let him sleep and eat both bowls of cereal. Did he eat both? I don't. I have no idea. All right. I think yeah. A teenage I, boy. He probably did. Oh, probably. I, th I. But he was definitely pouring it for his dad. 
then he didn't get up, so he went upstairs, read a book for a while in the kids' room. And when he came back down, though, he was, you know, Rick was still asleep. So he goes over to try to wake him up, but he can't. And he starts yelling at him to wake up. Yeah. But he's not coming, you know, coming around. Um, at this point, some walkers start making noise at the door because, you know, yelling at the top of your lungs is a really great idea in the zombie apocalypse, Carl. It's Ma and Pa, right? Like it's a couple of walkers that were hanging out on the porch that probably lived here. Oh, you know, that didn't occur to me, but yeah. I, I don't see why not. Yeah, that, that's what I assume. They've been hanging around the property the whole time, probably. Yeah. Um, so Carl sneaks out, and he takes a look around, and he gets the walker's attention, and then he leads them down the road, away from now, the house. Now, this is... Uh, you never walk backwards in a horror movie. Like The trick is to know when you're in a horror movie, right. but if there are zombies in front of you, you're in a horror movie, so don't walk backwards. Now, on one hand, Carl was, I thought, looking pretty proud of himself here for thinking, you know, I'm leading these zombies away. Yeah. I'm not killing them. I'm not causing a commotion of any kind. I'm just getting them away from the house. But where it all falls apart for me is what was his plan? Like, how far was he going to take them? Where was he going to take them? And like you said, he was walking backwards. He needs to be walking forwards, looking over his shoulder every few seconds. Right. Or at least spinning around as he walked. Right. <laughs> so, always twirling. Always so he could see in every direction. <laughs> yeah, always, always twirling. Twirling, twirling. Um, so, like, I'm all for leading them away and, and getting out of there, but I don't think he really had a plan. He seemed to be just walking away. Now, he eventually leads them into some bushes, kind of behind a shed, it looks like, or another house. And as you said, he's walking backwards, so another walker comes up behind him, and just about gets them. My plan, if I were in that situation, and not walking backwards would be part of my plan, is I would lure them away and then uh, shoot them. Because like, he, he had his pistol out, right? And yeah. if you shoot them, that's the location that all the zombies are going to come to, is that new location that is not where you're staying. So that might have been the plan. Okay, that may have been the plan, um, but I think an even better plan would be to lure them away a certain distance, and then it's only two zombies. So you can double back and lose them and leave them there and get back to the house. And basically you've lured them away and confused them, and so they're not at your house anymore. And I have a feeling that's what the plan was, because right. he was luring them into the back of that other house or the shed or whatever it was, and I think he was probably then going to run and come back around and back down the street to the house and leave them there. That's a good plan, too. Yeah, but it was foiled because another zombie sneaks up behind him and really almost gets him. Carl sees it just in time, though, and he gets knocked down, and uh, he starts shooting because he has no other option at this point. He manages to shoot the zombies, but they all fall on top of him, which is not the first time that's happened in this show. Rick, This happened to yep. Rick, too, remember? I do. <laughs> Three zombies on top of him. Uh Carl, you know, puts put some, I don't know, did he use more than three shots? I think he did, because the third zombie took two or three shots. Yeah, he shot him in the chest a couple of times and then shot him in the head. Yeah, but he managed, manages to survive, He even though he's stuck under a pile of zombies. He pulls himself out and throws up. Right. Now, was he disgusted because the zombies were disgusting, or was he disgusted with himself for, you know, not being careful? Uh, I think... Probably he was just upset at uh, this happening. It was a traumatic experience, and he had just eaten, 
and had to do a lot of physical activity. So he probably just threw up. Well, as he gets up, he says the same line to the zombies that he said to his dad earlier. He says, I win. It's true. So, you know, he almost died here. He came this close to being eaten, and he's still being a bit of a cocky little bastard. Well, yeah. And he's feeling pretty good about himself, I think. Yep. So um, we will see where that goes. Michonne, though, she's walking through the forest. Now, more walkers have joined her at uh, by now, and she's got kind of a mini herd going on. Yep. And she's just strolling amongst them with her two protector walk, uh, protector zombies. So and, I was watching this with my wife yeah. when uh, she was walking along with the zombies, and she's like, well, why don't they attack her? And I said, it's like uh, it's like Assassin's Creed. Once you get into a group, you become hidden, and uh, everybody just pretty much ignores you. That's exactly so that's what the, it is. Yeah, so that's what I was assuming, and that is that this is uh, obviously in this world we have the Assassin's Creed mechanic going on. Right. Well, it's. I mean, we know that the, she walks around with two zombies strapped to her because she's in a group. She then smells like the zombies, and the other zombies don't think or they don't notice her being different than the other two. But they were walking along in front of her, so I assume that uh, if you can manage it, you could probably just intermingle with a group of zombies and walk at a slow pace, and they'll just ignore you. You're right. As long as you're quiet and don't make any overt sounds or motions, you're you're probably pretty good. It, yeah, it's just it's tough to get into that that group of zombies because you smell different to them, right? Right. You need the two walkers with you to mask your living scent, and then you can generate a herd if you want to walk around but you're right it's basically the assassin's creed theory yeah and you, it, the same problem exists uh, for michonne as with uh, assassin's creed is that once you get into a group of uh well in this case zombies in assassin's creed case hookers uh <laughs> you really have to go where the hookers want you to go because they're wandering around unless you hire them of course and then you go wherever you want but if you get into a group of people uh you have to go where they're they're going you can't really direct them uh, yeah, that's true. You just got to go with the flow. <laughs> that's right. Go, go, go with the hookers. Yeah. If I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Um, <laughs> so where the hell was I? Uh, now as they're walking, a, a walker who kind of looks like Michonne strolls up beside her. And my first thought here was that was, is she imagining this? Is she like imagining herself, you know, as a, as a zombie? We just had a dream sequence. And I thought maybe she's hallucinating here. You know, maybe this is what's going on. My conclusion was no. No. Because if she was imagining herself, it would be her as a zombie. And we'd all go, holy crap, that's Michonne as a zombie. That must be a uh, hallucination. You're right. You're right. But it's it's not. It turns it out It was that... reminiscent of her. And I think that that point came across, hey, that could be me. Yep. And uh, that was, you know, how I saw her thought process. Uh, I agree with you. Um, yeah, it's it's what sort of motivates her to do something uh, later on to get out of this herd of zombies. Before that, though, we could go back to Carl. and He's talking to his unconscious father, still unconscious on the couch. Yeah. And he's explaining what he did. He's he's telling his dad things like he knows how to survive now, and he saved him. He says to Rick, I don't need you to protect me anymore. He's He's getting all this off his chest. He's trying to tell Rick really how he feels even though he's confused um and he says things like everybody counted on rick as their leader but now they're all dead and you're nothing and he finishes with i'd be fine if you died that's, well, that, that, i saw that as a good thing that's harsh man it is pretty harsh but i'm like well i'd be proud of you if, if you were my son and you 
I gave you all the tools you needed to survive in this crazy topsy turvy world uh, with zombies. And you know, if you were able to survive without me, that's that's a good thing. Yeah, the problem is he doesn't really have those tools though. He thinks he does, but he doesn't. No. Um and I it think was... he could survive without his if his dad died. I I honestly believe that to be true. I don't know. After everything you saw in this episode, I, sure he's he's better than your average kid at surviving. You know, better than your average twelve year old or thirteen year old in the zombie apocalypse because he can use use a gun. He's you know he knows how to kill zombies. But come on, he he lured zombies away with no plan, walking backwards, and came this close to being to being chomped. He's going through the same learning curve that everybody went through when the zombie outbreak occurred. When when Rick first stumbled out of the uh, out of the hospital and got into all kinds of situations because he didn't know what the hell was going on, he went through that learning curve and survived. Uh, Carl has is going through that learning curve in this episode where you know you can't. I mean, sure, zombies are uh, a manageable threat if you treat them properly, but if you're going to do stupid things, uh, you're going to get into a situation where you could die. He's going through that learning curve, but he's going through it with a skill set that will help him out in much greater uh, scope than any of the other schmoes that started in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, but that's my point. I mean, he, he we're we're a couple of years into the, the apocalypse at this point. I mean, has his dad and has has everyone around him overprotected him to a point where you would think by now he would have all these skills, not just be learning them this far in? Well, he's got the skills. He just has to learn how to apply them. Okay. And he's not doing that right because, but because uh, when you first start applying these things, you're going to stumble a couple of times. Well, I also and think there's a, I also think there's a big difference between uh, being on your own and being with a group. I mean, you have even if you know what to do, you have support when you're in a group, right? When you so right. when you make a mistake, there's someone to bail you out. When you're on your own, you are on your own, and there's no one there to you know back you up or or if something goes to shit. That's true. And and that's that's probably what Carl is learning here, right? He knows what to do. It's just he's taken the protection of others for granted a little bit and he needs to stop doing that. Yeah. And it's this uh, here's uh something I learned when I was or when I was around, you know, uh, Carl's <laughs> zombies. Age. When I was around zombies, when I was around uh, Carl's age and probably younger even. Um when I was growing up in Sault Ste. Marie, my whole life, everywhere I went in the Sioux, I was uh, in my parents' car or in my grandmother's car, my aunt's car, somebody else's car where they were driving, going from point A to point B. I thought I very well knew where everything was in that town because it's not that big of a, of a city and uh, you can find your way around pretty easily. But there's one thing about you know, knowing where everything is from a passenger's point of view and then getting on a bike and at the time, because I was only, you know, 10 or 12, uh, getting on a bike and going from one end of the city to the other, and yes, I did that, uh, trying to find my own way. And and it was a very different thing, even though I, I knew how to get there, having to do it by myself was a completely different thing. You're right. And that's, I guess that's what Carl's doing. He's He knows what to do, just not really how to do it yet. Right. All right. Well, we, after this, you know, conversation with his unconscious father, we go to commercial, we come back and Carl's out on his own again and he comes to another house and now we get a funny scene of him trying to break down the door. Yes. <laughs> um, he, uh, he figures he can just, you know, put his shoulder through the door and open it up 
but he bounces right off and falls down on his back because he's a skinny little 13-year-old kid. <laughs> yep. Um, the thing that bothered me about this scene was, though, we see him walk up to the door, pick up this solar-powered garden light, mm-hmm. and then immediately run into the door. Like, why don't you at least first try the knob, see if it's open? <laughs> you know, why is your where's, first thought, break it down? Where's and, the fun in that? And, and second of all, when it is locked, he walked up to it and he started to, like, jam the light stick into the door. And it seemed like it took him three seconds to jam that door open. I'm like, I don't think I could open a door that was locked with a plastic solar-powered garden light at all before the light broke, let alone do it in five seconds. Okay, so to answer your first question, uh, what he was envisioning in his head was having this uh, tool to stab the zombie on the other side of the door, and you break open the door and you bust in like a hero and stab the zombie in the face with the uh, with with the light thing, and you know he wanted to be that you know that superhero, and that was his thinking. But the door was a little tougher than he thought, so he bounced off and landed on the porch. And then second second of all, the thing was made out of metal; it wasn't plastic. I don't care. A crowbar. Made out of metal, you can jam it in there and use it as a crowbar. A crowbar. That's exactly what he did. No, a crowbar would have taken longer to open that door. This thing is just a pointy piece of metal, if it even was metal. That door was made out of balsa wood. It's the same kind of softness that everybody's heads are (laughs) in this world, except for that guy that Rick got his axe stuck in. Yeah, well, we got more on that, too. But uh, I just thought it was too easy. Now, I know some doors are are made of, of... weak material i've got doors in my basement here that are basically made of cardboard um you can't screw anything into them because it just inside is cardboard it's hollow and that's it and uh but i'm sorry the front door on a big fancy house like that that's going to be made of solid wood or metal some doors are made of metal these days and and i'm just i'm sorry i i don't want to dwell on the little things but that's what we do around here so uh (laughs) that thing that was just way way too easy with the right leverage, with the, give me the right lever, and I'll move the world. I, I forget who it was Newton that said that, maybe. And and frankly, just try the knob. Like, maybe the door's just open. <laughs> maybe that's what happened. Maybe he jammed the thing in there, and his other hand turned the knob, and he just opened the door. Right. Anyhow, he goes in. He finds some, some good food supplies and a big-ass can of chocolate pudding. Yeah. Do they, first of all, do they make cans of chocolate pudding that big? I don't see why not. I mean, go to Costco. They make everything big. They better have them at Costco because I'm checking. Because <laughs> I'm going right now. <laughs> First thing in the morning, I'm going for chocolate. Because a gallon pudding. of pudding. <laughs> uh, now upstairs, he goes upstairs, and he's exploring each room. And as he looks in the room, he's closing the doors behind him. This was very smart, I thought. That is a smart thing to do. Uh, you know, here's here's an example of Carl doing something right. Looks in a room, you know, he doesn't really go in, but he's so he's not sure if, if, you know, maybe there's a zombie hidden in there somewhere, but close the door. That way one can't sneak up on him. Right. Makes sense to me. He also focuses on a dead bird on the ground. What was that about? It's very sad. Oh, that's it. It was just sad? That's it. It was sad. I mean, sure, the, the shit has hit the fan and the world's come to an end and there's zombies everywhere, but, oh, a dead bird. I'd be upset by a dead dog. Uh, if I saw a dead dog in the zombie apocalypse, like, you know, it's like watching a movie and everybody's having their, uh, you know, axes embedded in their skulls and having their heads chopped off. And then all of a sudden you get, you see somebody with a baseball ball, ball bat kneecapping somebody. Everybody goes, oh, 
because you can feel that pain. It's the little things. You can. Okay, it's the little things. I think it was indicating that a zombie had had eaten that bird or eaten parts of it, and uh, so he knew to be extra careful because there was probably a zombie in the house somewhere. You think the zombie ate the stomach out of the bird? I don't know. And didn't just chow down on the whole bird? If if a zombie can eat all of Lori, I guess it would have eaten an entire bird. Uh... So they, he continues exploring, but and of course, suddenly a zombie bursts out of one room. Carl gets knocked down again, and he fires his gun into the air two or three times, misses every time, uh, and then runs out of bullets. So mm-hmm. now he's in trouble. He manages to kick the zombie off and retreat into another bedroom. And uh, while the zombie is making its way in, he tries to open a window to get out, but he can't get it open enough. So he spins around, hits the zombie with a light, and uh, tries to run past it, but the zombie gets his leg, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is the end for Carl. Everyone gets bit in the leg once the zombie you know, grabs them by the foot, uh, but the zombie instead pulls his shoe off, and Carl manages to escape out into the hall again and close the door after, behind him. After pushing a bunch of books aside, this must have been a hoarder's house because there was crap everywhere. And this wasn't no uh, people looking through stuff and stealing what they can and leaving a pile of junk around. This was boxes labeled keepsakes and such. Right. So this was a hoarder's house. And there was like, there was, these books were all stacked nicely until uh, the kerfuffle where they were all knocked <laughs> over and blocked the door. Yeah, he couldn't close that door quite, you know, quite all the way at first, but he got the books out of the way, closed it, locked the walker inside. So just before Carl, I mean, leaves, he finds some chalk on the ground and he writes on the door, Walker inside, got my shoe, but he didn't get me. Good good work. I was going. I thought for sure he was going to walk uh, right to uh, don't open dead inside or don't dead open inside or whatever it was. Yeah, that occurred to me too, but then I realized he never saw that sign. So. That, that would make it more awesome. Maybe, in that maybe Carl wrote it the first time too. <gasps> dun 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 <laughs> don't oh. dead open inside yeah that was it <laughs> but no got my shoe didn't get me and then he goes and sits on the roof and eats the big ass can of pudding all 112 ounces of it good thing he had a can opener that would have been very frustrating oh my gosh yeah you would have wanted to just run it over with a car or something so much pudding no can opener yeah we go back to Michonne in the forest and uh, there's even more zombies now she sees her doppelganger zombie again, and now she decides to kill it. So this is where I think she makes the decision to live. She sees herself as a zombie, and she's like, I don't want to be that. I want to live. I am choosing life. And uh, she attacks it. And then, of course, all the other zombies realize what's going on, so she has to kill all of them, too. So she chooses life by killing herself. Is that, was that what you're saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> she chooses life by killing her, her zombie doppelganger. Right, which is a representation of her. She sees that as herself, so I'm going to kill that me and then kill all the rest of these idiots, and I'm going to live. And then I'm going to be me. Uh, but she just massacres them. This was an awesome scene. This was probably was. the most skilled katana work I think we've ever seen from her. It was excellent. It, it was amazing. And she also kills her pets, so she doesn't want any zombies around anymore. Those pets didn't last too long. Um, after a commercial break, she we see Michonne coming back to the road with the footprints, and now she decides to follow them. She's like, I want to find other human beings. I am tired of living with zombies. 
this is not working out for me, so I'm going to go and see if I can find these other people. Maybe she recognized Carl's shoes and knew it was them the whole time. You know, it's not outside the realm of possibility. She would have at least seen two sets of footprints, big feet and little feet, and, you know, that could have either been... Well, could have. there's only a certain number of kids that were at the prison, so she had yep. to think it was somebody she knew. I, I wouldn't have been able to tell. There's no way in hell I'd be able to tell, you know, your footprints from uh, your wife's footprints. Maybe maybe your kids. I might be able to see the, your kids' footprints. But... Well, unless you specifically knew what my shoes were. I mean, I know that's unlikely, but you never know. You, know? you got bluntstones, right? Uh, in the winter, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm good. See? <laughs> <laughs> and and there are not a lot of shoe options in the zombie apocalypse. So maybe Michonne does know what their footprints look like because everyone wears the same shoes every day. Right. So who knows? But she decides to follow them. We go back to Carl and Rick, and Carl wakes up. It's the middle of the night now. Suddenly, Rick starts making rasping noises and starts moving, and he's all in shadows, and you he's can't twitchy. see. He's all twitchy. He falls off the couch. Carl retreats, you know, in fear, and he pulls out his gun and points his gun at his dad, and Rick appears to have turned into a zombie. Points Rick's gun at his dad. He oh. had Rick's gun in his hand. That would have been ironic. He had, the, he had the big revolver, yep. Well, Rick is in shadow. He falls off the couch, and he starts reaching out to, to Carl, and uh, Carl's crying, but he cannot shoot his dad. He can't do it. And lucky for Rick, because he wasn't really dead. No. He, uh, he, he suddenly speaks, and he says, Carl, don't go outside. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, good advice, but, you know, yeah. not what really you expect. <laughs> um, and after he says that, he collapses again, and Carl goes to him and cries onto the back of his head. Yep. Uh, we see Michonne. She comes to Joe and Joe's barbecue shack. She finds the, de the dead zombie, and before she leaves, she kind of, you know, crouches down and starts talking to herself, sort of, or talking to Mike, her her lover. And she's saying that she survived, so they could have two. Yeah. Meaning him and their son. Um, but then she just gets up to leave, and I guess she continues on the trail of the footprints. Well, they're walking on a road now, so I don't know how she's going to do that, but whatever. It's a safe assumption that I think if, you know, people will follow the trail, they'll follow the road, right? So if she couldn't see the, she wasn't on a dirt road anymore. Now they're on a paved road. She's going to follow the paved road. Yeah. Uh, we go to Rick, who is now awake. He's talking to Carl. He seems much better. So he just needed to sleep it off. And uh, Rick says things will never be the same. He held on to that idea for a long time for his family. But now it's just the two of them. And he tells Carl that he has become a man. Yeah. So how long was Rick out? A day? Like the whole day? Like he slept the night and then the whole day. And then some of the night again. Well, and then it was it was daytime when they were talking. So I think it was a good two days, like two overnights. All right. So what do you think was wrong with him? Was he just sleepy? Well, he was recovering from a lot of all those wounds. Um, in terms of specifics... I think his body just needed to rest and okay. re, you know, heal itself a little bit. Because they didn't mention any fever or anything. Because if he had an inf infection, infections don't just go away, do they? No, you're right. If he had, if he was infected and he was, 
yeah, sorry, if he not, had not, an, an infection, yeah, not not infected, as in the upper up upper letter. What's that called? Uppercase I right. with quotations around it. Infected. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, you know you're right. They wouldn't have just gone away. You think we would have seen Carl trying to find some sort of medication to give him, which we don't see here. Uh, now it could have happened. I don't know, but you're right. He seems to have recovered. And he's doing much better now, although he still looks like he's in pretty rough shape. Yeah. Um, but I think it's been about two days. I think we saw two nights here. What's um, the longest you've ever slept? Oh, God, like 12 hours. I've never slept more than that. Yeah. I stayed up for 48 hours one time uh, when, I was, when I was about 21. That's the longest I've ever stayed awake straight before. It was 47 or 48 hours. And then I went to sleep and slept for 12 hours, woke up, felt great. <laughs> no, I'm I'm the same, I'm the same as you. I think the longest I've ever stayed awake is about 36 hours, something like that. Yeah. I think the longest I've ever slept was like 12 and a half, something. Yeah, and when I slept that 12 hours after that two-day, you know, awake marathon, like I slept. I was out the entire time. I wasn't like tossing and turning or anything like that. I was damn tired. Yeah. Um, I had a roommate once that came home and slept for uh 29 hours. God, you must have thought he was dead. I woke him up a couple of times just to make sure he was still alive. Jesus. I don't know what he was doing. He was gone for a few days, but then he came home and uh, slept for like 29 hours. I'm like, hey, man, are you awake? No. <laughs> it's like, are you alive? <laughs> yeah. Barely. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, Rick is doing better, tells Carl he's a man. Outside, we see Michonne approaching the house. Now, she sees the pudding jar in the middle of the road, and that's what tips her off to maybe I should check out this house. Oh, Carl's in there. He likes pudding. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so she goes up. She peeks through the window. She sees Carl and Rick sitting there. She starts to laugh and kind of cry tears of happiness because she's found her friends. And uh, we cut inside, and we hear a knock on the door. Rick looks out the peephole. And he says to Carl, it's for you, with a big smile on his <laughs> face. And the episode ends. So there you have it. There's episode number nine. Um, what did you think, Mr. Miles? What did you feel? How did you feel this was a return for this season? I liked it overall. I liked the fact that it was uh, you know, a bottle episode. It was a small subset of characters. Um, I liked the... There was a couple of themes that I kind of liked. One was... Uh, Zombies aren't the problem. Uh, people are the problem because Michonne was perfectly content to be in amongst all these zombies. Like she knew as soon as she, uh, as soon as the last episode ended and this one started, she knew exactly what to do to survive. You know, you chop the arms and jaws off of a zombie, a couple of zombies, chain them up, and away you go. Zombies are not a problem for her at all anymore. Uh, and as long as they're managed properly, they're not a they're not an, itch, an issue. Yep. So it's it's people, it's humans that are the problem. And Michonne actually kind of at the beginning when she walked across the road and saw those tracks and was like, people that way, no people that way, I'm going the no people route because people are the problem, not zombies. Yeah, and well, that's that that was a conscious choice at that moment for her. But yeah. then, you know, it took seeing herself or a representation of herself, you know, as a zombie that she didn't like. And that's when she uh, decided to, to go back to the living. Hey, it, that's me, and we're going the same way. We're walking the same pace. We're doing exactly the same thing. Uh, maybe I don't want to do that. Yeah, this might not work out so well in the long run. So I thought this episode was was good. I mean, the first 
watch through and I've watched it twice. Uh, I always watch it the first time trying not to really think podcast. Now I'm not taking notes. I'm just watching it like a fan. And, right. you know, I felt it was a little slow the first time through the internet is kind of going that way. Some people liked it. Some people were like, this was totally boring. What was the point? I'm not nearly in that camp, but I, I actually enjoyed it much more the second time through when, <laughs> when I was sort of taking notes and, and uh, thinking about the episode. When you had something else to do? And I had something else to do. Now, <laughs> I don't think that's why. I feel like, you know, it was, it was slow and deliberately paced, but it was, it was fascinating. And, the thing about it is it was in some ways telling a bit of a story we already know. You know, we sort of know what Carl has gone through. This was, this was you know, Carl's metamorphosis again. He went from a sort of a helpless, naive kid to someone who's self-sufficient and able to live in this world on his own, even though we found out that he wasn't really able to do that. But at least now he he understands the need for help and for companionship and stuff like that. So I just, even though we've kind of seen that before with many characters, I thought they did a, a nice job here. And, um, you know, going forward, I hope we don't continue to see this story. You know, we've, we've got this now, you know, Carl's grown up, he's learned things, he's realized certain things. Let's not dwell on this too much, but I think they did a good job of it here. I, I, I agree with everything you said. All right. Um, as for Michonne, um, we've already talked about her. It was good to see her kind of, as you said, able to live in this world, but make the decision to to go with the living people. I thought that was really good. I wouldn't want to see her. It was her. also the, the alone and not alone thing, because she spent the whole long time alone, and then she got uh, and then she got introduced to people with Andrea and... Uh, Woodbury, because mm -hmm. that's her first real introduction to being a part of a group. I think there was something, uh, they talked about the camp, yep. so I'm not sure exactly what's going on there, but even after the camp, she probably spent a long time alone. <clears throat> and then she lived with people for a while, and now is now is her chance to try out the alone thing again. Right. And uh, that does not work for her, so she, she wants people. Yeah. She wants to live, and she wants to live amongst a group. And, and the one other thing that I can say about this episode is that I thought it did a good job of, you know, showing what would happen to some of these characters after the fall of the prison. And that that was a big traumatic event. Everyone would everyone was injured. They were scattered. Everyone's totally traumatized by this, right? It would definitely set people back a whole bunch. You know, they they'd gotten to a point where they were living comfortable-ish. Um, all that happened. They get attacked. People died. It would definitely throw them back into the like, oh my God, what do we do kind of mode, right? Yeah. And I think we needed to see some of that because it's completely plausible that that would happen. But I'm glad they weren't, you know, we're not going to dwell on that for too long. I, I don't think when we get into next week and the following episodes, when we introduce the rest of the cast back to the show, you know, I don't think we're going to, we're going to see these people surviving and doing what they have to do, but we're not going to see them really you know, dwelling on or dealing with the fact that the prison just just fell and like, oh my God, what do we do now? That's right. kind of what this episode did in a way, right? I would agree with that. I thought. So, you know, everyone is affected by it. They've made their point and we can kind of move on and, and uh, tell some more some more story now without dwelling on what just happened too much. So overall, I thought it was a pretty good episode. 
Chandler Riggs did a nice job, you know, for having so many scenes on his own yep. and, and carrying this a little bit. I guess this is the episode that they were talking about where he has to carry the thing. And it was less Carl than I thought it would be because we had Michonne in there. But it was also, but it's it felt like the perfect amount. No, it was good. I thought uh, I thought Chandler Riggs did a really good job. Uh, I I think that he did yeah he did a good job carrying this episode. A lot of it, you know, that whole side of the episode. Anyway, uh, yeah, I give it a good A plus. <laughs> a plus for Carl. Yep. All right. Um. That's it. That's episode nine of season four. Uh, we are going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, we're going to read uh, all of the holy crap, did you see that moments that you find people have sent in. So uh, stick around. We will be right back after this. Jumping up and down the floor My hat is an animal And once there was an animal It had a sound that mowed the lawn The sun was an okay guy They had a pack dragonfly The dragonfly ran away But it came back with a story to say For you, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial, so you have a chance to check out their service. Jason, recommend a book for the fine people to get them started with Audible this week. Well, I couldn't choose, so I'm going to recommend two, because uh, in the the recent past, I've gone uh, old-school sci-fi, and uh, I'm going to recommend Rendezvous with Rama by Arthur C. Clarke, a, uh, a fantastic novel. Back, uh, written back in the 70s about this thing that comes into uh, our solar system and humans go and investigate it. And I'm also going to recommend uh, Dune by Frank Herbert because I'm listening to that right now and it's excellent. It's got like five or six different narrators uh, and it's really cool. It's got a narrator for the, the male voices, a narrator for the female voices, and then a narrator for the narration it's a it's a great series but rendezvous with rama is a fantastic book to get started with um i highly recommend it arthur c Clarke, a master of science fiction oh yeah and uh rendezvous with rama again one of my favorite books of all time i've read it a couple of times so you cannot go wrong with that one i don't think it is very very solid and uh dune dune too is dune as well is a great choice so uh um Either of those would be a great choice for your free audiobook. If you want to get one of those, head over to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead, and uh, that gives you a free 30-day trial, a free audiobook that's yours to keep, even if you don't uh, continue your subscription. That's audibletrial.com slash talkingdead for a free audiobook. And that's how the story goes. The story of the bees with those water.
Holy crap. Did you see that? Yes, sir. It is time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? The number one podcast segment on the internet. <laughs> on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right, Jason, we can alternate these bad boys? Yeah, you start. All righty. The first one is an email. Mike, stationed at Shepard Air Force Base in Texas. Nice. I've decided from here on in, I'm going to read people's locations as they send them to us. Okay. There have been times where I've I've you know added I've only read the state and not the city or I've I've added the you know the province and something or something like that. But from now on in, whatever you put down is where you're from. I think that's right. a good policy. So Mike stationed at Air Force Base, Shepherd Air Force Base in Texas, he said, "Is it just me or did Michonne put the whole katana in the knife rack?" <laughs> that's right. That's because that's a katana knife rack. It's the TARDIS. Tardis knife rack. Yeah. Uh, it was good. Sure. Uh, for a second there, I agree with him. I was like, holy crap, that is very cool. <laughs> and then I realized right. what was going on. Right. Uh, yeah, so we, I have an e- we have an email from James in Pittsburgh, PA. I have to go with Herschel after uh, he lost his head as my holy crap, holy crap moment. Uh, I had been hoping this would happen since the end of the first half and was thankfully rewarded. So just the fact of seeing Herschel's zombie head on the ground, that's... Zombie head, yeah. Sad for Herschel, but good for the viewers. <laughs> good for us. So the next three are all kind of the same, uh, but I wanted to play and or read them anyways because they're good. The first is a call from Mike in Scottsdale, Arizona. Hey, guys. This is uh, Mike G in Scottsdale, Arizona, and just called to say, holy crap, did you see that? And that would be when Carl thought he was a lot bigger than 120 pounds and ran into the door and uh, ultimately failed in epic manner. So that was pretty crazy, man. I've never seen anybody run into the door and do that. So uh, keep up the great work catch you later thank you mike um i'm pretty sure if i tried to run into a locked door with my shoulder i would bounce off it and fall to the ground too well yeah and i am foot i am not a 120 pound 13 year old kid or maybe not even 120 (laughs) pounds i am a 185 pound grown man (laughs) so you kick it in or you get yourself one of those uh uh, I had this question before, and then somebody thankfully answered it. The things the firefighters carry to open doors. Battering ram. Well, it's a big, it's a big lever type thing. They use it to pull down walls and to okay. open doors and stuff. You need one of those. Yeah, you do need one of those. All right, so we have an email from Ash in Oldham, UK. Uh, my holy crap from after was the moment Carl, Carl hilariously failed to knock down the door. Just when you think that he could do it for a second, then you remember he's still only a boil, boy and he can't do everything like an adult. He's only a boil. <laughs> he's only a boil. Finally, Greg from the internet writes, gotta be when Carl bounced off of the front door after trying to break it down using his shoulder. Carl <laughs> proves that at least one of the three stooges has survived the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so we have a bunch of emails here, one from uh, Matt in New Jersey, Paul in Brisbane, Michael in the Internet, Tyler in the U.K., and Mikala from Maine. So I caught a tiny detail at the beginning of this week's episode. Uh, The overhead shot of the tank inside the prison walls was almost exactly the same shot we had of the tank in Atlanta from the second episode, uh, the tank Rick was stuck in. 
I thought it was a cool throwback shot, even if the director didn't mean it to be one. Well, the director was Greg Nicotero of this episode, and the writer was Robert Kirkman. So I'm pretty sure both of those guys knew what they were doing here. And uh, what Michaela said there is absolutely right. I think it was a very cool throwback to season one. And it's the first thing I thought of when I saw it. I don't know about you, but a top-down shot of a tank with the camera sort of slowly zooming in, that seems to be a thing on this show. And uh, I think it was very cool that they did that. I, uh, yeah, I, it uh, it reminded me of that as well as soon as I saw it. I mean, yeah. hey, that's cool. There it is. So Angela from St. Louis, Missouri, sent this in. My holy crap moments are, number one, Herschel's zombie head and Michonne's emotion at taking care of it. And number two, that Carl didn't try to get his boots back. There were probably knives in the kitchen. Does he think extra gear in his size grows on trees? <laughs> what do you think, Jason? Would you have... Don't you think it would have made sense to try and go and get your shoe back? Uh, it depends. Maybe there was, uh, I would look for more shoes in the house, and if any kind of fit, I would go at those. Uh, that guy, that zombie seemed pretty aggressive and pretty big, and if I was going to try and fight somebody uh, that was twice my size over a shoe, I'm not sure that I would. I agree. I mean, getting you need shoes. You cannot survive without shoes. Your feet will be torn to shreds. You won't be able to run, and that's that. But you got to pick your moments. And yeah, he needs shoes, but maybe there would be a better moment to get it. You know, maybe once his dad recovers, his he could help him, or whatever. But uh, I see the need for shoes, but I don't think that was the right time to get the shoe back. Well, here's my question for you now. How many pairs of shoes do you have in your house? My own? Well, just mine? Just yours. I'm going to say four or five. Okay. I don't know. So there's probably lots of shoes in the house. And there's obviously, uh, well, maybe not this house, but the house that he's staying in, there's going to be someone, uh, there was someone of of his age because of the, uh, uh, the room that he found. Yep. So maybe he knows full well. I looked through the closets and there was a bunch of shoes there, but I didn't need them. But now I do, so I'm fine. Yeah, you're right. We don't see every last moment of of their life here, so maybe maybe he knows their shoes. The other thing is, maybe in the next episode, now that Michonne is back, maybe he's like, "Hey, I got a job for you since you have a katana. Um, come over here to this house with me. Kill that guy. I need my shoe back." Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't leave you any pudding. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Who's next? All right. Uh, That's me. We got uh, Gemma from the UK. My holy crap, did you see that moment, was the whole cold opening first five minutes. First, we see the governor, who is most definitely dead and doesn't look to be reanimating. Maybe he deserved to be a walker. Uh, Then we see Michonne's half-eaten horse. Aw, poor horsey. (laughs) Again, the walking dead demonstrates that it has no problem killing horses or small, blonde little girls. And finally, poor Herschel's reanimated head. How unfair that the governor gets to stay dead, but lovely old Herschel has the indignity of becoming a walker. Good point. Mm-hmm. Poor old Herschel. Lovely old Herschel, I should say, yeah. as Gemma said. Um, but the governor shot in the head. Now, he did get stabbed first and uh, beat up by Rick and then totally shot Caligula. in the head. What? He was totally Caligula. Yeah, like oh no, Rasputin. Which one of those people got the had to be like assassinated six times? One of them, I'm sure. 
but you know he he took his uh, yeah he took a beating he got stabbed and then he got shot in the head so you know I don't feel too bad for him and I'm just glad he's dead frankly uh, friend of the show Adam sent an email he said mine has to be the worms issuing forth from the walker's head after Carl shot it ick yeah she, he shot that guy right in the worms <laughs> <laughs> or maggots, but either way, really. No, they were pretty long for maggots. Okay, right in the worms. All right. <laughs> All right, so we have an email uh, email from Angela in Birmingham. Birmingham? We've been Did through I... this. I, I know gonna... we've been through this, but I don't learn that fast. <laughs> we're going to go with Birmingham. Birmingham? Yeah. <laughs> okay, Birmingham. Uh, so she sent a bunch, but here's one. Unconscious Rick, straight from the pages of the comic, just brilliant. Smiley face. Smiley face. <laughs> it's true that uh, that scene was in the comic, and uh, they did it pretty faithfully, I got to say. I liked it a lot. I got two more. One, uh, both from Facebook. This one comes from Rob. He says, my holy crap, did you see that moment? Would be the walker who had the head tougher than an oven-baked coconut. Rick's axe simply not up to the task. Though he could be forgiven, normally the zombie heads are soft like melons. That's true. Now, you, my question about that is, do uh, coconuts get tougher when you bake them in an oven? I've never tried, but uh, that would seem to be what Rob's indicating here. Well, I'm going to look that up and or try it. Well, I wonder, like, generally coconuts are eaten raw, right? You just cut into it and you eat the coconut meat. Yeah. So can I guess you can bake a coconut. I wonder what happens to it. it this pro- opens up a whole new world. I'm going to try all kinds of stuff. It, it <laughs> Maybe it gets delicious. Even what, more, what happens more if delicious. you fry a coconut? I don't know. I don't know, Jason. Maybe you probably, barbecue, probably, deep fry it. Probably nothing. Bar- barbecue it? I don't big know. Fat, big fat nothing. All right, so we uh, the last one, uh, Facebook, Christina. My holy crap was when they tricked us, when Rick started mo- moaning like he had turned, and then he spoke. Yep. Did anyone really think that Rick was dead at that moment? Oh, good Lord, no. My wife, uh, I was watching it with my wife, and she said, is he dead? It's like, there's no way. Yeah, well, as comic readers, I mean, we had a pretty good idea, but I wonder if non-comic readers were like, "No, they couldn't." He's the main do that. character. He's not going. They're not going to kill Rick. He's on all the posters except for the one of the governor. <laughs> yeah, that's died. true. Um, but yeah, and I mean, uh, that could be a whole topic for a podcast, probably the the predictability of shows in which the main character basically can never die because he's the main character, he or she. Yeah. Well, I don't want to spoil other shows by telling <laughs> characters that have died, so I won't. All righty. That was a cool thing to say, wasn't it? It sure was. For once, you didn't want to spoil something. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone, for sending in all your holy crap. Did you see that moments? I'm sure there are more. If you have more or you think up something, continue to send them in. Um, we will also be back to our regular schedule of doing a feedback show on Wednesday. That's just two short nights from now, 48 hours. I could stay up that long if I tried. Of course, I'm not 21 anymore. Um, but, uh, so send in your feedback. Those of you who haven't, uh, haven't, uh, seen the episode probably aren't listening to this, but, uh, you know, (laughs) spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, send in your feedback. We'll get it on, uh, that show if we can. It's really fun to do those. And uh, the best way to do that is to give us a call. You can call us on the toll-free line, 1-866-483-9662 for now, or you can go to our website and click on the Send Voicemail button and record something directly on your computer, and it'll uh, end up 
in our mailbox. You can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. Finally, you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Those are all the ways to contact us. Now, I just remembered something, Jason. <clears throat> What's that, Christopher? Facebook. We are approaching uh, 20,000 likes on Facebook. Wow. And it was just a, a mere couple of years ago when we were back at, you know, 500. And here we are cl- closing in on 20,000. I think we're we're around 17,000 right now or something like that. So, you know, we are doing pretty well. And uh, I think it would be great to get up to 20,000 before the end of season four. So uh, if you want to, you know, let your friends know, share our stuff, we really, really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see if we can get to the big 20,000 in the next seven weeks or eight weeks. Nice. So that will be fun. Um, I'm, I'm avoiding Facebook right now. Yeah, well, like specifically because I haven't seen the Lego Movie, and I'm sure that all over Facebook is uh, spoilers for the Lego Movie. Oh, I have seen the Lego Movie. Uh, don't spoil it for me. There's Lego in it. Oh my God! <laughs> How did you know? Yeah. So I, I I do want to see it at some point this week. So I'm going to avoid Facebook until then. All right. Well, so nothing will really be different than the last five years. <laughs> yeah, I don't see the difference really. <laughs> okay. Um. You can buy shirts, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash shirts, or one of the best ways to help support the show is to go to amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com before you do all of your shopping on Amazon, and uh, a small little percentage goes to us, and we have no idea what you bought, so feel free to buy anything you'd like, knowing that we will never know. Um, And one other thing I don't really ever mention is that if you enjoy the music we play on the show, which I generally do every episode... You can find links to all of that, uh, all of those songs on our website with the post for this particular episode. So if you like a song and you want to know what it is, head over there and there are links to iTunes. You can uh, you can find those on the website at talkingdeadpodcast.com. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back, as I said, in a couple of days with our listener feedback show for this episode after. And... Uh, Back to the usual schedule. After that, we'll be back next Monday when we do Season 4, Episode 10. So I'm until excited then, about uh, podcasting all the time. Again, this is going to be fun. I know. it's The, the break was um, about eight weeks, but it felt long this time. I don't know why. Yeah, it did. It, it did. just felt like you know we were off doing nothing, wasting our lives instead of talking into the internet here. Working and enjoying our families like chumps. Like chumps, I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, So we're back. We're back to the regular schedule. We'll be back on uh, Wednesday night. Thank you, everyone. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao. You ready for the clap? (laughs) Hey, I got the clap. (laughs) Yay.